With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. So excited to have this guest here today. As listeners of this podcast know, we have had a ton of experts on different diets, different approaches to nutrition, different approaches to working out and looking better and feeling good and living longer. Today with me is Angelo Poli, the founder of a company, MetPro.co, where he basically is the expert on fitness and nutrition. He has worked with NFL stars, Olympic athletes, physique models, and of course, various CEOs all around the world. And he has a particular approach to how to identify your specific metabolism because not one diet fits all as opposed to many people who push a particular diet. He's also an expert on something that I want to be important to me, which is I want to transform my body so I look stronger and I'm healthier. So Angelo, welcome to the James Altucher Show. <laughs> James, that is an honor to be here. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you've been, I, I read about you in Men's Health, Sports Illustrated, you've did TED Talks on this stuff. First off, I never understand the phrase metabolism. Like what happens? I eat some food and I stuff it <laughs> as fast as I can into my mouth and then swallow it into my throat. What happens next? And I'm not, I'm not asking necessarily like, <laughs> you know, show me a, a diagram of a, of a skeleton like I saw in sixth grade and like what happens, but like, what is metabolism? Everyone says, oh, your metabolism is no good or my metabolism is great. I just shit it right out. Like what, what the, is that? How does the metabolism actually work? Yeah. Okay. Here, let's dive in. Here's how it works. So let's define it first. If you go to the dictionary, I'm pretty sure what it actually says is metabolism, the root of all evil. At least that's how most people have described it to me. But most people are looking for a more biological definition. So here it is. Simply put, your metabolism is the sum total of all the biological interactions taking place in your body that result in the speed or the amount of energy you burn. Okay, so like recently I had on uh, Dr. Stephen Gundry. He wrote a book recently called The Energy Paradox. Of course, food is fuel. We have a limited supply of energy throughout the day. So the better fuel you take in, the more your energy lasts throughout the day. And I guess this is somewhat related to how calories are burned. And I guess this is related to metabolism. Absolutely. What does it mean to have a good metabolism? So there is a medical terminology when you're talking about metabolism that has to do with, you know, blood markers and indication of health longevity. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about is when your neighbor says, oh, I have a, a slow metabolism or the guy next door. So he's complaining, but man, this, this metabolism is so fast. I can't gain weight or young athletes trying to gain weight for their position on the football team or whatever it is. They have a fast metabolism or, or the person who's trying to lose that last stubborn 10 pounds have a slow metabolism. That's what we're talking about here. So the, the reason that I talk so much about metabolism is not because it 
supersedes any other health marker or fitness marker or any other topic. The reason I talk so much about metabolism is because it's the most misunderstood topic. We're so conditioned by... What do you mean misunderstood? So we're so conditioned by kind of mainstream media on it that we confuse health and metabolism. So let let me share, you know, some, you know, maybe some common myths that are most people think that if they're healthy and they're eating good quality foods, that means they have a good metabolism. Well, eating healthy is for vitality and to fight disease. Eating good quality foods are going to fuel any athletic endeavor. But it's not exactly a one-for-one translation to a fast or slow metabolism. Your metabolism works by adapting or acclimating to your environment, to your day-to-day food. So that means it can be controlled, it can be manipulated uh, if you understand how it works. So what we could do, James, if you're up for it, is you know we could conduct a little mini experiment to prove that. Because I know I'm saying something that may sound extreme. It's like, wow, wait a second, your metabolism can't change. But, but it can, it can, and you can control it by what you're eating. And so here's how we might look at it. James, if we were to take a hundred people and drop them off in a desert island, a deserted island for a year or two, and we have young people, old people, big people, little people, men, women, everything, and every demographic is represented and they're on this island, they're healthy, but the catch is they're all living on rations, 1,200 calories a day. What do you think would happen to these people? Well, my gut, pun intended, tells <laughs> me they'd all lose weight. Yeah, some may. So I ask lots of people this question. And, and also, my, my gut tells me that they'll also be tired. Yeah. Because, you know, 1,200 calories probably isn't enough. So yeah. they're probably going to probably have a decent amount of sleep, to be honest. There you go. So right again, James, right again. Now, here's a more tricky question. Will they die? Now, there's no, on this island, there's no volcanoes exploding. There's no shark attacks. There's no parachuting gorillas with robotic arms. They're living in peace and tranquility. The catch is every person is on 1,200 calories a day. Will they die? What do you think? Uh, I would say no. I would say their body would adjust to the lower calories, they'll sleep more, they'll move around less. And I, my, guess, my guess is their body, their, their body will adjust. Precisely, yeah. And we know that lots of people exist on, on low caloric intake, even lower than that. Um, and so here's what that means though. So now let's do some math. What that means is that <clears throat> there's gonna be some big dudes on this island. So they're gonna start losing weight immediately. But if they get rescued a couple of years later, and they are alive, that means that at some point, they are going to stop losing weight. Do we agree on that? Because their body will, yeah, their body will kind of adjust to the amount of energy they're using. And so, and actually, my guess is their body will maybe even retain weight because it'll recognize that, hey, we need energy to survive. And so we can't, we can't burn as much as we used to. So their metabolism, okay, so now I'm getting where you're going. Their metabolism in that sense will slow down to adjust for the fact that they're eating only 1,200 calories a day. Ding, ding, ding. Has to be. It has to be because we know the outcome. The outcome is they will not die. They will survive. And if somebody just kept losing two pounds every week, they would be dead. They'd be dead in, you know, before a year. So their metabolism will acclimate, in this case, by slowing down. So let me let me ask you a question because this is related to this. When the pandemic and the economic lockdown started, I consciously made a, a decision about my activity every day, which is that I knew I wasn't going to be leaving the apartment, so I probably wouldn't get as much just organic exercise, you know, walking around, mm-hmm. running around, that sort of thing. So I made a conscious decision to basically eat only one meal a day, knowing that I wouldn't burn that much fuel each day. And I don't think I... Maybe I lost a little weight, but I actually don't think I gained or lost weight during this time. In fact, if anything, on the days when I had two meals a day, I felt like bloated and and stuffed. Mm -hmm. Like what was going on with my metabolism there? Your body's acclimating. So anything you do, your body will acclimate to over time. It has to. 
So whether it's good or bad, your body will acclimate to it to keep you alive. So in this case, you know, the nuance of what's happening, we'd have to break down what exactly you were eating. And if what your goal was, was your goal to maintain your weight, not gain weight, was your goal to hold weight, was your goal for energy. So we would look at specifically what objectives you have, and then we'd break down what the best, most direct route to that objective is going to be. So in your case, you're asking a question about cyclical fasting. Most people are using that approach as a method to weight loss. And it can be effective for that, but it comes with a cost. The cost is then your metabolism gets used to one or two meals a day. Um, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Well, what we can agree is it is a thing. So are we prepared for the ramifications of that? And so in the case of someone who's merely content to maintain their weight, it might not be a big ramification. But for someone who needs to leverage and make adjustment after adjustment, we might want to consider alternative options. So it boils down to this. If you were to go on Google and say, how do I lose 10 pounds? You'll have half a million responses, half a million different experts. And you know what? They'll all tell you something different. Let me see. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> They'll all I'm going to Google different. it right now. Google it. How can I lose 10 pounds? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, hey, you know what? They used to tell you how many results there were. I don't see. I think this is a new change in Google. They used to tell you right away there were 678 million results. But I think maybe too wow. many people were making fun of that. And they do not do that anymore. They don't do that anymore. Um, well, wow. there's going to be a lot. We just noticed a change in the Google algorithm. See that? So, okay, but here, here's 14 simple steps from healthline.com. Do more cardio, cut back on mm -hmm. carbs, start counting calories, choose better beverages, eat more slowly, add fiber, eat a high-protein breakfast, and get enough sleep. Yep. And, and those, those are general recommendations. Those are all good. I'll put my stamp of approval on that. But if you scroll down, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see, you know, ketogenic. You're going to see cyclical fasting. You're going to see, you know, everything from only eat foods that start with the letter K. You're going to see everything in there. There's going to be a strategy for everything. And it's not that there's a bunch of snake oil salesmen out there. There are a couple of those. But every strategy, now I've been doing this for decades. I have seen every strategy work. So there's merit to all of them. The key is, and this is getting back to what MetPro is, identifying what approach is going to work given your current metabolic circumstance. So the illustration I use, James, is people call me all the time and they say, you know, well, you know, I've heard that you go low carb and ketogenic is the best. Well, no, I've been taught that you just control your calories or you exercise more. You know what that debate is like? It's like going to the mechanic and he's got both arms, you know, in your engine and, and he, you know, yells over to you and he says, hey, grab me that, that tool over there. And you say, which one? And he goes, doesn't matter, any tool. That's not going to work. It's just not going to work. You have to have the right tool for the right job. You got two people arguing and says, you know, what do you think is better, the screwdriver or the wrench? Because I hear really good things about the wrench this time of year. They're all tools. And so people have been since the beginning of, uh, you know, the, this age, modern age, they've been trying to answer the question, what is the best diet? Now, I'll stay in my lane. My lane is going to be what is the best diet to lose fat? What is the best diet to build muscle? I'll leave the health to the health experts. Let me ask you about that, though. Is losing weight and building muscle equivalent to health? Won't they be correlated? It can be and it should be. Now, the truth is, having been in this industry for years, it isn't always. So for years, I would train uh, physique competitors, bodybuilders, figure, um, the whole nine yards. And some of the athletes participated in their sport in a very healthy way, and they did wonderful. Some of the athletes participated competitively in a not healthy way. And I've watched that happen as well. So while they're both important topics, they're not automatically related. I'll give you another example of that to really, you know, put the nails in the coffin on this topic. Another example of that, when it comes to metabolism, health doesn't automatically equate to fast metabolism. Have you ever seen those shows on the, you know, the stations where it's the, the thousand pound man getting taken out of his house with a crane? Have you ever seen that stuff? Uh, uh, maybe. Yeah, it sounds familiar. 
Sounds familiar? Yeah. So, you know, Hollywood will get its hands on it, you know, for for drama, you know, the, the, the camera will pan over these and show, you know, oh, this person eats two buckets of fried chicken and three cheese pizzas and and two, uh, you know, two liter things of, of soda pop. You know, I don't know how much truth there is uh, to that, those exact numbers, but uh, here's an interesting point. If you were to put one of these people on 5,000 calories a day, most of them, now mind you, they can't even stand on their own. Most of them would lose weight. Now, how many, how, how many pounds would you or I lose if we were eating 5,000 calories a day? How would they lose weight? Because they have a blazing metabolism. I mean, I would gain 700 pounds. Right, you'd gain 700 pounds. Yet this guy is going to actually lose weight on that. Why? Because his body is accustomed to eating more and more. So remember how we talked about the island and people on 1,200 calories a day, their metabolism is going to slow down until it's just burning 1,200 calories a day? Well, in this case, when a person starts over-consuming, the job of the metabolism is to start speeding up and speeding up. Why? Because your body's designed in such a way that it has to acclimate, otherwise you die. If it can't slow down, you die. If it can't catch up, you die. So the metabolism adjusts. And so in the case of a scenario like this guy who's, uh, who's very sickly, he's morbidly obese, he can't even stand without assistance, yet he actually has an Olympian metabolism. So we're not saying that that's something to strive for. Of course, he's paying the consequences for that. He's in a bad spot. But I'm using it as an shock value illustration to really try and get listeners to look at metabolism differently. The metabolism speeds up and changes in response to changes in your environment. Therefore, it can be controlled, at least to a degree. It can be controlled. So, so what you're saying essentially is, assuming I eat largely healthy foods. If I want to lose weight, the key is essentially require my metabolism to be faster by exercising more and using more energy. And at the same time, eating less calories. Very close. Yes. All of those things are truisms, but the asterisk on it is the biggest lever you have is manipulating the volume of your intake, increasing and decreasing. So to, to illustrate, um, I used to, this is going back, you know, a lifetime ago, I used to take athletes to competition, physique sports and things like that. And every year at these competitions, somebody from the audience would come up to me and Mr. Poli, your athletes look amazing. What do you have them eating? Yes. And I would give the tongue in cheek rehearsed answer because I get this question every competition. And so I would say, well, you know, boiled chicken and broccoli and rice cakes and, you know. And it was always follow it up. I would laugh. I'd always have follow it up with, would I look like them if I ate that? And the answer is, nope, <laughs> you wouldn't. And, and here's the reason why. Because them looking like that is not a function of strictly how they eat or how they exercise. It's a function of contrast. In other words, they were used to eating so much more volume in food that when they cut down to, you know, 1900 calories of boiled chicken and broccoli, the fat just incinerates off of them. So it's a function of contrast. Your metabolism causes you to either lose or gain weight during the time interval that it takes your body to acclimate to its new circumstance. And for some people, it's quickly. Some people, it takes a long time, and they change a lot in that interval. In the case of physique sports, you can tow someone's metabolism up to great heights with all the training that they're doing. And then when you cut them down low, it creates such a contrast that their body responds. And that's where periodization comes in. You have bulking cycles, stripping cycles. Well, for our average client, the same science applies. Now, how the application of that is going to be highly individual. Not many people call me up and say, I want to be a bodybuilder at 4% body fat. But lots of people want more energy. 
They want to be at a sustainable body weight. They want vitality. And so they call me up and they say, here's the deal. I'm already eating healthy. I'm already doing all the exercising regularly, but I'm still not at the physique or health or body that I want. How do I get there? And that's where specificity comes in. Okay. So for me, I'd like to get in better shape, maintain weight, you know, look sharper. What should I do? Everybody asks me, what's the best thing to eat? What's the best thing to do? And the answer is always the same. <laughs> it depends. So it depends on your goals and your body type. Real quick, I'm going to define body type. My view of body type is um, your genetic predisposition. So whenever I, we, my team and I start working with a client, the first thing that we do is we review their goals and body type, then their lifestyle, then we determine whether they're strategic or metabolic, and I'll define that in a moment, and then we do nutritional baseline testing. So let's go through just a bam, bam, bam version of that with you. So your body type, I believe, is ectomorph. Does that sound familiar? Have you heard that term before? Yeah, yeah, I've heard, I've heard that before. Okay, okay. So we won't, we won't get into the, non, the nuances of that right now, but... Um, for me, a solid goal-setting session might surprise you. To me, a really good goal-setting session is one where we walk away where you know what you're not going to do, where we're just tearing things out. Because the enemy of results is a lack of specificity. If you want to get results, you got to be hyper-focused. Now, that doesn't mean that you toss this and toss that and never come back to it. But most people that are reaching out to me want to know what do I focus on to force progress? So what are your goals? What's your primary objective, James? I'll be honest. I'm just going to be really honest about this. Yeah. So let me think for a second yeah. what my objective is. I guess I, I need energy throughout the day. Like I work from sometimes 6 a.m. till 10 at night. Um, so I need energy throughout the day. I don't really need to lose weight, but I definitely don't want to gain weight. Yeah. And I want to look I just, I always want to look better. This is really hard for me. I know I'm asking for a lot, but I, I like my features to be sharp. And it seems like depending on my, my diet, my features are either sharper or fluffier. It, no, you're, you're, and I wouldn't mind muscle, but that involves more exercise than I'm going to do. <laughs> no, 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 you're, you're speaking my language. So I, I get, I'll get executives like type A personality executives that'll reach out to me all the time. Like, Mr. Poli, I know who you are. I know who you work with. Here's what I want. I want to, you know, bench 300 pounds. I want to run a sub six minute mile. And oh, by the way, I want to drop 30 pounds. Can you help me do it? I'm like, yeah, I can help you do that. Absolutely. That's what we do. Now, here's what you have to pick. Which one of those things do you want to do first? Because if we aim for all of them, we're going to miss Whereas if we isolate one objective and hit it hard, we're going to achieve it. We're going to be able to sustain it, check it off the list, move on to the next. So here's what I'm hearing. Let me repeat back to you. What I'm hearing from you is that your priority is to get as much muscle and, as, uh, uh, and lean as you can within a maintenance range of your current weight with the priority being uh, productivity and energy. Did I hear that correctly? You're not going to be doing a big bodybuilding routine. You're not going to be yes. competing in any marathons, but you're not averse to physical activity and you're not adverse to eating clean. Is that, would that be an accurate description? Yes. And I, to, to a large extent, I think I succeeded that. Let, let me ask you one Good. random question that's related to this. I love random. So questions. I read this article, <laughs> I read this article like six months ago that um, Magnus Carlsen, the world chess champion, burns 8,000 calories a day when he's in the middle of a chess tournament because the brain burns like 25% of our calories per day. What I'm hoping for is that brain activity is just as good as exercise for burning calories. Uh, yeah, well, Ben Feingold disagrees. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. Do you know Ben? Oh, I've just, he's, he's a, he's a good, he's a good player. Huh? I read that in your bio. Yes. You're a chess master, aren't you? Yeah. That yeah. But boy. Ben, but Ben Feingold is a grandmaster <laughs> and you're right. He's, but I don't know how much he plays in a tour. Maybe, he, maybe the reason he's not world champion, he doesn't burn as many calories as Magnus Carlsen. <laughs> no, I, so, so just as a taking the individuals out of the equation, um, that is a little, uh, it's an exaggeration. So the principle is not inaccurate. Okay. When you're when you're intensively focusing on something, you will be exhausted 
you will be exhausted from mental exertion. Intense mental exertion absolutely burns calories. Um, that's an exaggeration. That would be an exaggeration even for physical expenditure. Uh, You're not going to burn 8,000 calories. Uh, Magnus Carlson's not going to burn 8,000 calories. (laughs) But it is a truism in principle. Okay, I was curious. Yeah. So circling back to the goal scenario, since we know what you want to achieve, then what we're going to do next is look at your lifestyle. Now, people ask me this all the time. Now, I love snacks, but not for any of the reasons that most people have heard before or they think. Uh, The reason that most of my clients end up snacking is because people don't take snacks socially. Let me explain that. People don't take snacks socially. That means that there's already going to be, for most people, a number of meals in the day that they'll have partial control over. So we may have to take a principled approach. Hopefully not, but it may be the case. Whereas snacks, you know, you don't call up your coworker and say, hey, meet me at the water tank in 15 minutes. We're going to, you know, split an apple and 24 almonds. People don't get together over a snack. They get together over a meal which means when I ask someone to eat something specific for their snack, I get compliance. And when I have compliance, I have a baseline I can anchor to, and it gives me a little bit more control over what they're taking in each day, therefore a little bit more control over their metabolism. So as a lifestyle, what is your circumstance? So it sounds like you're only eating one or two meals a day, but is that because that suits your lifestyle and schedule? Or is that just you've heard that's the better way to eat? Or is it just because you feel the best on that? Why are you doing that? A little bit of all of that. Like I do believe in the benefits of intermittent fasting. Of mm-hmm. course, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a nutritionist, but I've talked to enough people to know that some degree of intermittent fasting is probably a healthier way to go than eating all day. And particularly for me, I don't move around a lot during the day. So I figured this was like a natural thing for me. So in a case like for you, if we want to take your energy level to the next area, so people ask me this all all the time. They say, well, I've gotten good results with what I'm doing, but I'm not where I want to be. So if you're not where you want to be, then let's consider changing something because doing the same thing is not going to produce a different result. So while there may be nothing wrong with what you're currently doing, what we're going to want to do is find ways to optimize. In your case, what I'd be looking for is what's the lowest common denominator that you can execute simply on, which is going to stimulate muscular activity that you could do. Now, I'm all about practical things you could do at home, things you can do quickly. And then I would want to pack some nutrition around that as well and start with that. And we might evolve into at least some days you eating more frequently, but all days I would want you eating more, especially when you're active, so that way you're going to have more energy throughout the day. Now, again, this would be a very different conversation if you said, look, I want to put on 10 pounds of muscle or look, I want to drop 30 pounds of body fat. I'm not hearing those things for you. So we're going to pick the lowest common denominator and start. Most people come to me. Well, you know why most people call me. 85, and, and we're sports nutrition. We work no. with Olympic athletes, NFL athletes. Yet still, 85% of people are like, oh my goodness, just help me get this last 10 pounds off. I've done everything and it won't come off. That's the metabolism. So that's why we focus on that so much. And then there's strategic versus metabolic. Which are you? So strategic is when we talk with someone, we get to know them, and we determine that it's not a matter of whether or not your body will respond. It's a matter of what you can, in practical terms, do on a given day repeatedly. When people ask me this all the time, uh, what's the secret? The secret's time management. Because time management will allow you to take all the other actions that you're going to need packed in a day to see progress if your goal is any level of physical transformation. So if we determine that you're a strategic type, that means that we're not worried about the bite for bite macros. We're worried about the overall principles and cadence and how we can help you execute on good habits quicker. Speed is key because I could tell you the greatest thing in the world, but if it's going to take you three hours a day, nobody's going to do it. 
So you have to execute with speed. Now, a metabolic type is different. That's usually someone who comes to me and says, Angela, I'm already exercising. I'm already eating clean. I'm already watching my calories. I'm already this. I'm already that. But I'm still not seeing the results I want. That means that your metabolism has acclimated to your already good habits. And it's not that you're doing anything right or wrong. It's just that your body's now used to it, right? So we go back to the island illustration. Your body's used to that intake, so it's not going to change anymore. So in that case, what we have to do is we have to retrain your metabolism. Now, have you ever heard the concept, you have to eat more to lose weight? Have you heard that before? No. So a lot of, a lot of the experts correctly state that you have to actually increase your intake before you can lose weight, which is occasionally applicable. Overall, that is accurate um, for sustainability long term. But it's one of those don't try this at home, folks, because if you miss, if you increase slightly too much or for slightly too long, you end up going backwards. You end up going the wrong way. So the principle is true. We need to get your body to a point where it'll be sustainable long term. Uh, And we do that by manipulating your intake. It sounds like it works like addiction a little bit. So let's say you're addicted to some drug and you like Mm -hmm. the effects of it, the benefits sort of go away if you take the same amount every day. It's exactly right. Metabolism's like an addiction. That's a very good illustration. That's exactly what's going on. Yep. So how we determine where someone starts then so we can make adjustments is we baseline test. We don't guess. We baseline test. So what that means is if you were my client tomorrow, James, here's what would be happening. I would send you a meal plan that's boring, not special, not any super defined features that make it better or worse than anything else. The qualities that make it unique that I would send you a meal plan that I have had literally thousands of other men, your approximate age, body type, activity level also follow. So I have averages for what I should expect. Then I'm going to watch how your body responds because now you have a meal plan, a template where I know the macronutrient ratios, the calorie intake, the glycemic load, the timing, everything. And now I have data that says based on a thousand men that have done this, here is the average result. And now finally, I have your data. Here's what happens to you. You gained three pounds. You lost three pounds. I don't know how your body will respond. And I've been doing this 20 years. I've dieted almost 20,000 people. Everyone's body's unique. Everyone responds differently. Once I get that data and analyze it, then, and my claim is really only then, should somebody be saying, okay, now let's customize your meal plan. Here's your strategy. Because now they have the whole, the deck in their hands. They can see all the cards. Angela, let's say they don't have you. Yes. What should they do? Great question. Write down what you eat every day. Write it down for a few days. And then what I want you to do is I want you to take that list and go to a friend of yours. Doesn't have to be an expert. Just someone with a good head on their shoulders. Show them your food and then ask them this question. Can you tell what my goals are based on this diet? That's it. Can you tell what my goals are? And if they are struggling to look at that and say, oh, yeah, you're trying to lose a few pounds or, oh, you're trying to bulk up or, oh, you're trying to do this or trying to do that. If they can't, even a non-expert come to a reasonable conclusion about what your efforts are, you're lacking specificity. But Angela, I would say, I mean, you deal with a lot of athletes Mm -hmm. and so they have many different goals, but I would say the average person, particularly post pandemic, like right now is, is simply looking to lose the, the way that they gained when they were just sitting at home watching TV all day? 85% of them. Yep. Same, same application. Write down what you eat. It'll be a very interesting experience. In fact, years ago in my office, I had, you know, people would walk in and they would sit in front of me, <clears throat> you know, not, not too far away, right behind the desk. Right behind them, I had a custom sign <laughs> built. And the sign would say, I know this isn't how you usually eat. And then in our first meeting, we would review their food journal and we'd look at it and I'd say, well, let, let's take a look at how you're used to eating. And then they go through it. I'd wait for it. And every single person without exception would make the comment 
they would say, oh, that's not how I usually eat. And then I would point to the sign, they'd turn around and it'd be a gotcha moment. <laughs> because, and, and I'm victim of it as well, we don't have good self-awareness of what we eat in particular, especially when we're asked to recall our overall habits. We tend to have selective memory. So it's a very insightful prog uh, process of actually journeying, not indefinitely, but just for a few days to see what we're doing. And then if you want to take a step further, then you can actually get into some calculations and look at, am I eating a high carb, a low carb diet? Would I be on what's considered a high calorie or low calorie diet? Now, I'm oversimplifying a little bit here, but the gist of it will help someone who wants to tomorrow go out and start making some progress. If you can at least come up with what I'm currently doing, then I can come up with a rational next step. Now, our, our coaching team takes that to the umpteenth degree, but even somebody just on their own, if they know what they're looking for, they can determine, okay, so I am going to have the most leverage from changing my macronutrients, my carbs, or I'm going to have the most leverage by changing my calories, or I'm going to have the most leverage by adding this missing piece, which isn't even on my list, which is exercise. And so we can start making some thoughtful decisions when it comes to how to move the dial forward. And I'll, I'll tell you why we have to do that, because there's this fallacy, this, this myth in the industry that kind of bothers me. It's this concept that sometimes people in the industry think, well, if somebody isn't getting results, making progress, losing weight, or whatever the case may be, they just don't have the willpower to stick to something. I have not found that to be the case. Now, full disclosure here, there are absolutely occasions where, yeah, I mean, there has to be a hard conversation to be had. But the majority of the time, when somebody isn't seeing progress, it's not because of a lack of willpower. It's not because they're not willing to roll up their sleeves and work hard at something. It's because humans need to see progress to stay motivated. And most people that kind of fall off the bandwagon are falling off that bandwagon because they're either not seeing progress, not seeing enough progress, or not understanding why their progress is ebbing and flowing. So they become frustrated, and that's why they throw in the towel. Not because of a fundamental lack of motivation. Most people, if I can show them a monicum of progress and a clear trajectory and path forward to continuing that progress, do amazing. So if you have a strategy and you have a good appraisal of where your body is at and what your next steps are, then this very confusing process of weight loss or changing your body or building muscle or improving your energy starts to go from this, wow, where do I start? And it gets a little tighter and a little tighter and a little tighter. And it's down to some, okay, here's some clear steps for me. Um, that's what we're all about. That's what I'm passionate about, helping people find those next clear steps. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over 100 or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period, and I loved it. I, loved, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs, and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was, I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests? And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb. 
while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I am so glad you convinced me that the family car should be the Defender 110. It is so beautiful inside. It's so comfortable and it just feels indestructible. Yes, it really is. I've been waiting a long time for the new model to come out. The Defender 110, I'm telling you, it's my favorite car of all times. It's my third one. You know, I have stories of going off road. The guy managed the group. He was like, what are you doing in this beautiful car? I'm like, I'm going off road. He's like, are you sure? Because you can use one of ours. And then they look like Mad Max cars. I'm like, no, 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 no. we're going to do this. And he was shocked. Wow. Well, it's great because the Defender has been reimagined for 21st century adventure and its unparalleled off-road ability, as well as its robust interior, are invaluable whether you're headed towards uncharted territory or just a weekend of exploration. The Defender 110 tackles challenging surroundings with absolute confidence. The SUV conveys strength outside and in, featuring peerless technology like an intuitive driver display and an award-winning infotainment system. That's my favorite part, to keep you connected no matter where the journey takes you. Adventure is unique to everyone, and so is the Defender. Choose from the two-door Defender 90, the four-door Defender 110, or the larger Defender 130 with the ability to seat up to eight passengers. You'll find uncompromising performance in all three. So pack up and go even further with the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or a pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time. If you use HIMS, HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I'm definitely going to use HIMS for now. Not that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You're getting there. You might you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? Hims.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hims.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. What I'm getting out of this is that there's no one diet that works for everyone. Although it seems like low carbs is better than high carbs. It, it depends because remember, we have to consider goal. So definitely when I have a, you know, the youth football player or the person trying to build muscle, high carb is better in those cases. So it, it always, de- of course, depends on your goal. But yes, you're right in general, for sure. So wait, when, when's higher carb good? So lots of people are trying to actually add mass, lean mass. 
And so eating more carbs, the right kind of carbs at the right times, those can, that can be very beneficial in that scenario. When's the right time to eat carbs? An athlete, you want to have carbs throughout the day uh, to fuel that intensive training. So if somebody's a hardcore athlete and their goal is to add lean mass, limiting carbohydrates will typically slow that process compared to adding the right carbs, which is going to be slow digesting carbohydrates paired with proteins throughout the day in that scenario. Now, that scenario is going to have a very different response if somebody wants to try and lose weight. Now, for somebody trying to lose weight, oftentimes manipulating carbohydrates is the right approach. But keep in mind, we kind of end up beating our head against the wall on this a lot. A lot of people call me up and they're like, well, Angelo, I had really good results doing low carb. I said, well, what are you doing right now? And they say, low carb. And I say, and so what's your goal? Is I want to lose another 30 pounds. So low carb is good, but continuing to do low carb you're not going to get a different result. So it's not that there's something wrong with low carb. It's that for that individual, we have to take them out of carb sensitivity gradually, get them used to more carbohydrates, and then likely take the carbohydrates back away. Because like you said, no two diets, no two people respond the same to a diet. I'll take that one step further. You're correct. And even more unfortunately, the same person doesn't respond the same way on a diet the second time. For our listeners, you're going to relate to this. Is how, many, how many people, how many of you relate to this concept? I did the same diet I did a couple years ago, but I didn't get the same result. I don't go 24 hours without hearing that. So we have to reevaluate every time. What's our most strategic next step? You know, let's say just again, someone's living a normal life. They either work from home, but they sit around all day or they commute and then they sit in a cubicle all day and they'd like to lose weight, uh, which you've mentioned is like 85% of the, of, of what the goals are. Right. And let's say they have kind of, they're generally like a little, they're getting older. So they've got a little bit of belly fat and they'd like to lose that. What would be like your, your, not, not your recommendation, but your average recommendation in these situations? Yes. So in this situation, we're going to baseline test. And so I'm going to ask someone now they're not going to be measuring and weighing food indefinitely, but I am going to ask somebody for a few days to be very specific while we're establishing a baseline. So that way, whether it's good news or bad news, I get accurate news. So I'll put them on a meal plan, determine their general metabolic pace. Then what we're going to say is, let's say it's an individual who weighs 200 pounds that wants to weigh 175 pounds. So that individual, I'm going to determine whether or not we're going to reduce calories or carbohydrates or often a combination of both, just a little bit less on each. And it makes small adjustments until they start losing weight. Now, what will typically happen is somebody will start making progress, but their metabolism will acclimate to it. So now they go from 200 pounds down to 90 pounds, down to 86 pounds, down to 84 pounds, and they start law of diminishing returns because their body's now getting used to this routine. Several weeks have gone by and their body's like, okay, I'm good. So now what we're going to stop and do is increase their intake. And I'm going to say, all right, Johnny, what I want you to do, Johnny, is go and increase your intake by 10%, but you can't gain any weight. Well, how do I do that? Now we're going to pull the exercise lever. So now we're going to start increasing your diet, your intake, every few days until you've gained one pound. And as soon as you gain that pound, I'm going to make you do an extra cardio session or an extra workout to burn that pound off. Because you can't, it's very difficult to exercise 20 pounds, 30 pounds off, but you can definitely exercise one pound off. So then Johnny's going to come back to me. He's like, okay, I lost that pound you told me to. I'm going to say, great. Now we're going to add a little bit more carbs, a little bit more calories, and I'm going to make you gain that pound back. And we keep adding gradually carbs and calories until he gains that pound. And I say, okay, Johnny, now go lose that pound, but you can't eat any less. You have to do it just with exercise. So Johnny's going to gain and lose that same pound four or five times while I get his metabolism used to eating more and more and more. Then we're going to hit reboot. We're going to start that diet down process again. Only this time I'm going to take him down. Now, remember we said he wants to weigh 175 pounds. When he gets to 175 pounds, he's not actually 175 pounds. He doesn't own it yet. Because when he gets there, he's going to be on the lower end of his intake. Mm -hmm. So we're going to actually shoot past that goal. 
we're going to go down to about 172 pounds. Once he weighs 172 pounds, let me say, all right, Johnny, now, remember how we gained weight last time? We're going to do the same thing again. I'm going to gradually increase your intake, and we're going to gain just lean mass, not fat mass, gradually over a few weeks until you weigh 175. Now, when you weigh 175 and you're eating enough food that's sustainable, enough food that you could eat this food the rest of your life, now he'll own it. Now he actually weighs 175 because it's where his body wants to be, where his metabolism wants to be without him starving himself. The problem is people starve themselves to hit a weight, but that meal plan was never sustainable. So they're not regulating their metabolism back to a maintenance level. And that's the trick. So that's what somebody would typically experience when they want to lose weight. We take them down a few cutting cycles, pause to speed the metabolism, exceed their weight loss goal, and then actually gain weight back to their maintenance. And then it's theirs potentially for the rest of their life. Potentially. That's interesting. So that that's kind of like if all I did was eat one meal a day and no carbs, okay, so I did intermittent fasting and no carbs, what would like what would be the likely outcome? Most people wouldn't be able to sustain that. Very few people could tolerate that. Um, they'd have poor energy, they wouldn't recover, and it wouldn't support an athletic or active lifestyle. Most people. There's exceptions. I, I mean, some people, they can eat, you know, drywall and nails and they feel great. It's just, it doesn't phase them. Everyone's biology and genetic predisposition is a little bit different. But if you were to just eat one meal a day and that meal had no carbohydrates, which is your body and your brain's principal fuel source, sugar, glycogen, glucose, you're going to be forcing your body to adapt to run on very low amounts of fuel. Uh, sometimes we swing the pendulum too far because we understand that sugars and overconsumption of carbs or processed carbs have all this delirious effect on our body. But that causes us sometimes to run too extreme to one direction or the other to where now we're actually undernourishing our body. So in a case like that, somebody would lose weight, but likely uh, they would find that they're binge eating uh, in very short order because they're apt, they're just so hungry or they're just so depleted um, that it wouldn't be sustainable. But they would lose weight. <laughs> Is that a fair answer? <laughs> yeah, no, that that's good. Like, how, how did you get into this? Uh, pain and suffering. <laughs> so when I was in my early 20s, I had a back injury, a severe one. My favorite answer. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> You seemed a little bit like, oh, you'd go for that. All right. So when I was in my early 20s, I had a fairly severe back injury. I walked with a cane for almost 10 years. And so interestingly. Oh my uh, gosh. Wait, how did you get the back injury? I thought I was young and immortal, like, like a lot of you know 22-year-olds. And I had to learn the hard way that your body actually needs rest and recovery, not just pounding. So it was, a, it was an accumulation over time. I didn't have a major accident. It was accumulation of poor exercise habits, poor sleep habits, and oh, by the way, poor nutrition. So I ended up with this severe back situation that required surgery. I walked with a cane for 10 years, and it turns out not everybody is excited about hiring a personal trainer who walks with a cane. <laughs> so I had to really teach some people something if I was going to earn their trust um, as an injured personal trainer. So I, I started doing seminars and teaching um, the science behind physique transformations um, and the nuance. And so what I would do is, you know, and I would travel from health club to health club, college to college, hospital, hospital, and, and put on these seminars. And in short order, I realized in order to help the most amount of people as quickly as possible, I needed to determine what their needs were. Because like, like we've discussed in abundance today, no two people need the exact same thing. No two people are alike. So I started having people fill out these questionnaires and answer a few questions in advance. So that way, when they came to one of my lectures or seminars, I could look at that in advance and then give them more specific recommendations. And it became crystal clear and painfully apparent that the number one determining factor as to whether somebody would be able to lose weight easily or with great difficulty 
didn't have to do with their age, didn't have to do with their weight, didn't have to do with their activity, didn't even have to do with their gender. Now, all of those things do impact it. Don't say Mr. Poli said it doesn't matter because it does, but they are all playing second place to how much food they were currently consuming. People who are used to either overconsumption or consuming a lot of calorie-dense, sugar-dense junk food had a proclivity to lose weight very rapidly when that was adjusted. And people, even if active, were already conditioned to very clean eating, were the ones that noted difficulty and stubborn metabolism and hard uh, having a hard time losing the next few pounds. And so I figured out the reason why. It's because your metabolism adapts. And by the way, I'm not the first person to figure out this. All the experts know this. Um, most often, it's not given enough of a place of honor in the strategy approach. We all acknowledge that when you eat less, your metabolic rate slows and you eat more, it raises. But most people simply don't realize to what degree that happens and how it can be used to manipulate your body weight and your composition. So when I learned that early on, I was able to really become a strategist for individuals. And then I started teaching other coaches, other fitness instructors, other trainers, because most people that hire a personal trainer, guess what they're hiring them for? To lose weight. To lose weight. In order to get it, yeah, that, 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 those two go hand in hand. <laughs> so that's how I ended up getting into this is I was forced to be effective at the strategy piece because physically I couldn't hand people dumbbells anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a silver lining in things. And so it, it worked out good for me. And I'm able to, with me and my team, are able to now do something we're all very, very passionate about. Um, and that has helped people with their, with their transformations. When I was young, I would say I had an extremely fast metabolism. Like I could eat five Big Macs and then go home and have three bagels and yeah. I wouldn't gain any weight. Yeah. But of course, as you get older, your metabolism does change. And, you know, you get a little bit of fat around the gut and it's harder to lose weight and, and you feel bloated much, much more often. Yep. And I try a lot of things, but like, so the age does have a factor, but like, how do you, how does like someone like me, and I don't have like a lot of belly fat, but you get it. And it seems like it's there forever. Like, how does, how does someone like me start losing that where it's sort of like, there's this permanent fat that, that you get. I, I it, and it may be, it may be hard to believe, but um, someone like you. Now, I can't say this definitively until we actually test and we baseline test to see how your body responds. But very likely, based on my experience with people of your age, your activity level, and your body type, the answer is very easily with the right strategy. And so it would be, it, it would basically, the first thing we would do is we would change something. What we change would be based on our learnings from your analysis, from your testing. But we would change something to trigger force fat loss while focusing on preserving lean mass. And so for you, it's going to be either one of three things. It's going to be forcing your metabolic rate up, which we can do by changing up a little bit the way that you're getting your daily calories. Or it's going to be decreasing your caloric intake marginally or adjusting your carbohydrate intake marginally. There's a lot more nuance in there, glycemic load, meal timing, the whole nine yards, but those are the three grandfather techniques. And then we would look at what you have access to that's going to be effective, efficient, and sustainable for physical activity. You have to exercise, it has to be a part of this, it has to be part of your longevity approach, but it doesn't have to be cumbersome. In fact, I'll go as far as saying as it shouldn't be, because if it's cumbersome, you're not going to do it. In fact, I would much rather someone have a simple right, routine. That's for sure. Yeah. I'd much rather have someone have a simple routine that you can do uh, day to day, even if it's literally eight, 10 minutes versus being sporadic at hitting the boot camp or going to the gym and doing a gorilla workout, you know. I want something that I can anchor to and build on. And so picking something that's simple and easy, that doesn't take a lot of time out of your day is going to be a best starting place. You can always upgrade your game. 
All right. So it's it's interesting. And then James, let's do it. Let's get you. Let's get you lean. Let's get you that. You want a, a six pack? You want to take the body fat off? You'll have to roll up your sleeves a little, but I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> and you know, I kind of want here's okay. If I was really being super honest, I try to stay low carb, sure. but I kind of love carbs. <laughs> is there any way I can eat more carbs? That's on my wish list yes. for life. The answer is yes. I want to eat pasta again. Yes. The answer is yes. How do how does that happen? By not eating pasta tomorrow night. By eating a bite of pasta, or better yet, we're gonna increase you by you know, a quarter cup of this or a little bit of fruit or a little bit of um, carbs that you can easily burn off. Instead of getting them all at once, I'm probably going to have you split them throughout the day. I don't mind if you do intermittent fasting on some days, but we're probably going to uh, increase your meal frequency initially. Why? Because you have to change something. You're used to eating one meal a day, which means by process of elimination, we have to use a different technique. There's merit in many different techniques. I'm going to get your body acclimated to more carbohydrates gradually. Uh, and then I'm going to pull them away. I'm going to cut them out, not entirely, but largely. So that way we can strip body fat because your body has acclimated to your lower carb approach. It doesn't mean you've taken the wrong approach. It means that you've played the card. You don't have a duplicate to play. So we have to play a different card now. Let your body reacclimate to that. And what that will do is it'll make cutting carbs effective for you again in the future. So in your case specifically, this does not mirror what somebody else might experience if they call me up. But in your case in, in uh, specific, we're going to actually increase your carbohydrates, do a metabolic revving cycle, then I'm going to decrease your carbohydrates, do a fat burning cycle, and then I'm going to increase your carbohydrates again to bring you to a maintenance spot where you can sustain whatever weight we're at and still eat good carbs at least to a reasonable degree. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. it. Uh, well, now I'll you're send, committed. <laughs> and I, I kind of want to, yeah, that, that, I, like I said, that's my dream list is I want to, um, you know, lose weight, look a little better and eat carbs. That's, that's my goal in life now. As much as I hate people that say easy, it should be simple and easy and nothing is simple and easy. Uh, for you to get this objective will be as simple and easy as possible. And you're going to do great. We'll have a blast. What's been your greatest success like with an athlete? You know, I, I've had the privilege and it really has been a privilege of working with some incredible athletes, NFL MVPs, multiple NFL players. I've got to work with athletes in the endurance field, in the cycling field, running field, Olympic athletes. But I, I have to be honest, my greatest uh, personal satisfaction and the, and, and the most incredible um, experiences I've had are with people that are just doing life. People like you and me who just want to be healthy, want to play with the grandkids and lose a few pounds and have energy to do it and just don't want to waste time. They want a bite-for-bite, step-for-step strategy that makes sense to them that they can wrap their head around and they want to see progress. You know, when you help somebody score another touchdown, that's a great feeling. But when you help somebody take 100 pounds off, that's life-changing. And they're going to be usually a relationship for life. And so I've been very privileged to be a part of that. But one experience stands out in my mind above many others. I had a, a father who brought his son to me to, to help his son just get healthy. And his son was only 13, 14. His son was not healthy. And we worked together for two or three months at this point. And the father called me up crying. And he thanked me. He said, I saw my son run for the first time this week. That I'll never forget. That is meaningful to me. But working with the athletes is fun too. <laughs> so it, it, I, I, I enjoy all of it. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, I, and I really appreciate you, you coming on and uh, solving, you know, helping us figure out what the myths are. And also I appreciate the very flexible view towards diet and how it all kind of fits together, like the combination of diet, exercise, metabolism, kind of this more holistic view of nutrition 
without specifically saying these foods are good and these foods are bad. Cause I think people gradually know that, all right, donuts are not so good. And, <laughs> you know, vegetables and, and, you know, organic meat and some fruits are like the best. And I know there's, there's nuances like, you know, Dr. Gundry will say some vegetables are good. Some are not so good. Sure. Other people will say fruits are not good because there's too much sugar. Other people will say steak's not good because it's meat. But in general, the average person knows what's good and what's bad and still chooses donuts, by the way, because <laughs> not, and not that that's a bad thing. It's just donuts taste good. So, or at least it does to them. So, so I appreciate the more holistic approach that, that really, cause I think people know the basics, but well, how do, how do people find you? So, uh, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. So if they go to metpro.co slash altature, um, then they'll actually be able to, you know, get ushered right in to talk with one of our specialists and have a meaningful conversation. So even if it's not, uh, even if right now is the not, not the right time for you to jump into a big program, if you can learn one thing by having a conversation with a, with a specialist, uh, I, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. So if you go to metpro.co slash Altager, um, we have a, a, a special consultation that won't cost anyone anything to talk with one of our specialists and just visit about what your goals are because everyone's goals are different. Oh, well, that's really great. Well, well, look, Angelo Poli from metpro.co. It's not .com because I went to .com to research you and that was like some <laughs> other logistics company or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, do they do nutrition and logistics? But no. Um, Angelo Poli, thanks so much uh, for coming on the James Altucher Show. It's It's been a pleasure. And I'll do whatever you tell me for next steps if, to, to get in better shape and nutrition. Deal. So let me know. We'll be in touch. It's been a privilege. Thanks, James. Mm -hmm.